Welcome to Tabletop Dropouts. I'm George. I'm Zach. And I'm Mike. I talked about how, like, you know, we do the fade-in intro and stuff like that because a couple of different podcasts that I listen to do that. So I so we're just going to fade in to be explaining why Terrence Howard got pissed off at yeah, Marvel? Explain to me why Iron Man was supposed to be a Terrence so Howard. Terrence yeah, ha- I don't vehicle. even know. That's as tenuous is, as best. No, no, like, George. seriously, it's... So Terrence Howard got fired from Iron Man 2 because he... Because they wanted him to lower, to take less money because Iron Man 1 was so successful that uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s stock in Hollywood had gone up. To keep him, they needed to get Terrence Howard to take less pay. What a world, man. You go from smoking crack at a McDonald's and getting arrested. You make make Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and then you make Iron Man. All of a sudden, you're amazing. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was great. It was. It was phenomenal. But a lot of people forget that's the first thing he made. But anyway... Was, um, that, was that his first comeback? That was his yeah, first comeback. That would have been like in 2000, like... That was... Ew, I don't remember the dates, but it, yeah. it, it definitely predated Iron Man because I watched it before Kyle Iron Man Kilmer. came on. Um, so Terrence and Howard, they him sold him on the idea of that they were going to do a War Machine movie right. series based off of the strength of all of his awards from Hustle and Flow, and he was he was just hot in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and then whenever, after Iron Man won, all, everything just washed out, they... Robert Downey Jr. rightly demanded more money because he was phenomenal as as yeah. Tony Stark, um, and Terrence Howard rightly refused to take the pay cut because that was not the deal they had sold him yeah, on. Yeah, that that's kind of a so shitty he, thing. Like, so he, he did great. Take less money for the second one. Yeah, so he uh, stepped away and they recast Don Cheadle because they didn't want to honor the contract, so that gave him walking rights. And um, if there's an alternate universe out there somewhere where Iron Man 1 did slightly less well but we got a whole bunch of really successful War Machine movies but like Terrence Howard was in that movie for a combined like 10 minutes total <laughs> he's hilarious though when he's sitting on that plane like explain and I'm telling him man oh no because I wear the uniform and I defend or like whatever his Honestly, like drunken I would, is I would have loved to see him <laughs> I think he would have made a stronger War Machine than Cheadle like Cheadle's great I, just, I like Cheadle I don't see it Cheadle, I don't either. Cheadle Sorry. isn't enough of a military hard ass for the character of, Ro- of Rhodes as he's p- shown in the movie, see, in the see, in the comics. See, I'm gonna disagree with you. Yeah, Cheadle I, is through and through. I, like, I understand. I understand the point that you're making because I think Terrence Howard is scarier. He's a bigger physical presence and but, projecting it. Like yeah, Don Cheadle I, is okay. So I think that I think Cheadle looks more military than Her- than Howard does. Howard can put out that. I'm gonna fuck you up mentality. Yeah. Like, well, that's because he beat the shit out of but, Ludacris in a bathroom, but, man. But check it out. <laughs> See, and check that's the energy I want for War Machine. His body type always has kind of looked kind of like pouchy. Uh, I can yeah, see he that. He kind of like looks like he always has a little bit of a belly going on. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just like Don Cheadle's cut out of fucking wood, man. And <laughs> and honestly, I feel like Don Cheadle is the right level for what Marvel's doing now. Where yeah. like he's he's totally happy with just like I'm gonna make a million fucking things on Disney Plus until you stop paying me. Like I feel yeah. like dude, like dude, WandaVision. Dude, WandaVision is so I was weird. Just about so weird. I'm so weird. So give me give me your thoughts. I know that we're recording. I don't fucking care. We'll I get there in a second. I want to talk a, about WandaVision. As a deep cut comic book. <laughs> Nerd, yeah. I am super excited about all these weird references that they're making. Like, without spoiling anything, yeah, you've yeah. seen the first the two seasons. I've and, seen the and first Mike two just The guy in the very end of episode two, where she like looks at it and goes, Nope, and you go back. The le- very one of the very yeah, last yeah, yeah. like, I want to know who the hell that is. I got dude, like 17 dude. different theories of I, who so, it could be. So I, oh. I was I was interested, but I wasn't like into it, probably for the first 15 minutes. Yeah. And then you know what happens, happens. And it's it's really cool that it, it's like fifteen to twenty minutes of like camp, and then two or three minutes of like deep existential. Yeah, dread. it's like the first like, <laughs> the first part of each episode. I was like kind of getting out of it. I'm like, okay, yeah. they're just riffing on sitcoms, and then something weird and possibly yeah. existential horror weirdness happens, and you're like, oh, I think oh, I'm I'm fucking oh. <laughs> So I'm fucking is, here for it. Really? Like I'm going it's, to watch. Is this like yeah, a? Is I'm it down. like a? Is it like an existential dread, like Lovecraft country kind of thing, or what? There is uh, something. Wait, you still haven't watched that? No, Zach. I haven't. So yeah, what a great show there is like, there you. is a hundred percent something going on behind the curtains that the main yeah. character has no clue. Like they firmly establish in the first five minutes, Wanda and Vision do not understand what's happening and are not capable of examining what's happening to them. And every now and then, towards the tail end of each episode the audience gets a little bit further of a view behind the curtain and Wanda and uh, Vision are exposed to something that gives them a little bit of a chance to examine it before something weird happens and kind of resets it. um, It's very, it's an interesting format and it's very, very weird. It is not going to be for everyone. No, but... It's different than what um, 
Marvel's been doing, but I like it. I, I think and, that I think that overall it's going to fit in very nicely. I'm again, I'm here for it. Like I, I really enjoy the pacing. I, I think the fact that they're, they're going to be releasing two episodes a week, yeah. and that it's I don't I don't anticipate this getting more than one season like this because I don't I don't see how they could go for like three seasons of it this seemed, format. Well, one thing that my wife pointed out, um, you know, she's very into kind of like vintage and retro fashion. Um, and so she picked up on this really quickly. It was the first episode was fifties, and the second episode is sixties. Yep. And then the and then I episode three is uh, firmly good at setting up seventies because of the what happened at the very end with the uh, some of the from a art perspective the, the palette changes. Yeah. That that's yeah. firmly setting up seventies so, television. I mean, that gives us honestly maybe three more episodes before well four more episodes if we're going to parse out two thousand tens to two thousand you know all the way up to the, to the teens. So like five episodes, I guess. But I mean, we don't we don't have a lot of real estate until yeah. we're in present day. So I'm interested. I'm here for it. Like I said, I I really enjoyed. Like it didn't super have me in the first 15 minutes. I thought it was kind of like a goofy, like family kind of like hoo ha comedy type thing. Um, and, you know, and it was cute at what it was doing. But then it definitely has a very yeah. very pronounced tone shift. Yeah, late yeah. In the first episode, and it does the same thing in the second episode yeah. too. It's the second episode. the The facade is cracked a little bit. Yeah, like, you, you've, you've got like you've got a little like more, she's a little bit more aware that something's going on. But yeah, I mean, again, I'm I'm very down for it. So welcome to the show where we use intelligent words like facade, facade, facade. And uh, we're very fancy and like intellectual George, about our George nerdship. said Artois. I think Artour. 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 Was that while we were recording? We no, talked no, about no. Edward Norton. No, no, we were we were bitching <laughs> about Edward Norton, and that was that was pre-recording. Uh, I'm not right. bitching about Edward. Well, Norton. we were. I like Edward. I American do as well. History X is one of the greatest movies ever Jesus, fucking made. Jesus, man, that's I, a throwback. So I will <laughs> throw out. That's what we're going to talk about for this episode. <laughs> I'm just going to throw out real quick. Outs. I've actually never been able to finish that movie because of the Kiss the Curb moment. Really? Oh, yeah, you don't get very far into it, dude. You no, must, I, and I'm yeah. aware of that. It's yeah. such I have such a visceral reaction to that level of violence yeah, that I just I just go. It's brutal. Literally, the <laughs> when, back in, whenever that movie first came out, we were, it was in high school, and I was watching at a friend's house, and this was back whenever EverQuest 1 was still a thing. I was at my buddy's house and we were watching it and it got to that point he told him to kiss the curb and I saw was I knew what was about to happen and I went well and I got up and went on logged into my buddy's yeah. EverQuest account and played EverQuest while they watched the rest of the movie because I knew I would not be able to deal with it that's at a, that moment and just set me off and that's honestly like there's probably there, there's three hyper violent scenes in that movie and that's just one of them oh I'm, I'm aware <laughs> I, I, I know a lot about the movie now as an adult I've just never I've never gone back to it. And I, I can acknowledge, mm-hmm. without ever having watched it, that it's a great f- piece of cinema. Dude, fucking, but after oh. he does that, and he's walking around with that huge fucking swastika, that's one of like the fucking scariest movie, m- moments in a movie. And, and Edward, Ed Norton, fucking kills it. And he, I like him so much. One, because he can play like a terrifying neo-Nazi that just committed a hate crime and murdered someone. And then he could go be in a movie like Keeping the Faith. Or Death to Smoochie. Yeah. Oh, my God. Death to Smoochie. <laughs> what about uh, The Invention of Lying where he's the police officer? <laughs> like, oh, he, yeah. He is like, in that. I'll take he? my bribe. It's $5,000. And he's like, why is it so expensive? I have a very expensive cocaine habit. <laughs> he's just like, officer, he's not drunk. I am so sorry. <laughs> or have you seen Leaves of Grass with Edward Norton? No. Where he plays himself and his twin brother? No, I have not seen that one. Okay, so watch that one because Maybe. that is a fantastic. It sounds film. really familiar. Leaves of Grass is the story about the man who lures his twin brother back so that he can go create a murder or commit a murder and have an alibi because mm-hmm. people don't know that he's a twin. So they see his brother, his twin brother, walking I feel around. Like I've seen this, and it's 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 a really good movie. It's modern day. It's a modern day take on Leaves of Grass. I only saw Invention of Lying a couple of months ago. I think you had recommended it to me. It's a funny, stupid yeah. movie. Yeah. So, in case y'all are wondering, part of the reason why we're ranting about movies and why Ed Norton was not a good fit for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, today we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, hobby burnout and yeah. how sometimes you just need to step away and talk about other shit and do other shit. Yep. Nicely tied back in, right? I, I, that, that was a good one. That was yeah. quality. Woo! Ten out of uh, ten. <laughs> So, 
you know, one of the running gags on here is that I don't paint my shit, and I fully own that because I do not have a fully painted army yet. I don't know that it's a gag, really. Yeah, hey now, gag, hey now. Statement of truth. Let's let's, <laughs> let's actually pay attention to the theme. Um, part of the reason is um, because of this concept of hobby burnout. There's a point where doing the hobby starts to feel more like a job, right? Like you look at an obligation you have. I'm going to get this army painted. And if it's a part of the hobby that you're not a fan of, or maybe you, even if you enjoy it, the repetition of doing it and forcing yourself to do it can sometimes make you want to stop doing it entirely or, and see, you know, just lock you up. Mm -hmm. Um, so today we wanted to kind of talk about it, like what can cause hobby burnout and what's some good ways to deal with it. Right. Cause everybody has a slightly different process, but Maybe if you have a big project that you're excited about getting on the table, but you're not excited about the steps to get it on the table, maybe hopefully some of our history can help you mm-hmm. and hope, also hopefully help each other because this is a concept we haven't really talked much about amongst ourselves before. Um, so I will say that, you know, for me personally, the break was a big moment of hobby burnout for me, like our season break. Yeah. yeah. I, whenever we stopped recording, um, I knew we weren't going to be playing as many games because we we're going into the holiday season. Um, just general uh, social engagements were going to keep us away from from doing gaming stuff and I just couldn't muster the energy to uh, really even assemble models which is a part of the process I usually like when it comes to the hobby side of it let alone prime and paint anything I just stepped back and went I am going to do these 5 million other things then do this and that's that's a perfect example of previous like very recent hobby burnout that i had that being said after playing the game of crisis protocol against mike that we talked about last episode i then went home and built 40 models or so of of marvel crisis protocol backlog that i had i just uh, i just went home and i'm like i had so much fun playing the game that i started throwing shit together because i wanted to get it all on the table so sometimes just stepping away is a good thing but what about you guys? What's before we got start getting into like what causes it and how you can overcome it? What's some recent examples that you've had for hobby burnout? Well, I mean, for me right now, I mean, I'm I'm literally sitting in front of my shelf of shame right behind me, and it's fucking almost up to my ceiling. It, it is really tall. Yeah, it's, it's taller than me. Zach. And Zach's yeah. a tall man. Yeah, it's like there's there's like an entire sector imperialis there. There's rhinos. There's taluses. There's a whole box of Adeptus Titanicus that needs to be put together and like fuck man <laughs> buddy <laughs> there's three Titanicus. boxes of Malfo there's I mean shit man I've got two 3D printers and uh, but I did you know over the break I had to get a lot of shit done and I had to get 2,000 points of Necrons done and so this is kind of where those I, I've come to peace with the fact that you know when you're on Instagram and when you go to tournaments you're going to see some beautiful armies you're probably going to see one or two that are just incredible. Yeah, that are like truly standouts. Standouts. Mm-hmm. I have uh, made peace with myself in the fact that I'm probably not going to be one of those painters because painting is not my thing. I want to get it onto the tabletop and play some games. That's what I. That this hobby is all about playing the games. I like the games. I like the the, the vastness of it, and I like coming up with things. So for me, I kind of made a deal with myself for hobby progress. Like it doesn't have to be perfect needs to look good from three feet away that's that's the mm-hmm. that's what i came up with myself so that way it's like yeah i can base coat all this and lead belcher spray and then hit it with some black get some and then buy some acrylic pens do some edge highlighting with the acrylic paint pen and be done hit it with a couple washes give it some some of that tesseract glow and it'll look fine it doesn't it's not gonna look perfect i'm not gonna win a painting competition but it looks good enough that i can put it on the table it's all cohesive it looks like it came from the same place and I have a good time because from three feet away, everything looks good from three mm-hmm. feet away as long as you put a little bit of time into it. Um, as far as it goes, I mean, I've kind of hit that phase where 40K for me, this is probably year four in, in Warhammer. And now I've kind of figured out these are the factions that I like to play and these are the factions that I don't necessarily like to play. So I'm starting to, like, I offloaded my Death Watch over the break. I'm trying to off-watch my Cadians, which are basically like herpes. They stay with you forever, Man. and you can never get rid of it. Now I'm definitely not going to buy them. <laughs> you'll, they, you'll, they'll sit there, and you'll never get rid of them. Uh, and there's so many of them. It's honestly part of the reason I haven't picked them up yet, because I don't know. Like, 
not to steal the thunder from you, but like that's one of the reasons that's holding me back is like I feel like I'm just going to look at them, and because I don't have a concept of how to change them into traitor guard, right. really. Like and so spikes. they're just gonna sit oh, there. Shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a lot spike of spikes. You put a lot of spikes. Spikes lame. and gas masks, but that's no, it needs to. Yeah, I want it to like be. Gar- it looks like Death be... Krieg. <laughs> do, do what? Said so then it looks like the Death Corps of Krieg. Yeah, yeah. Now it's like, oh cool, you got Death Corps. Like not a traitor guard. Um, honestly, I yeah. I would rather have Orlock. If I had enough Orlock bits, I'd swap the heads out with like the bandanas and shit because I'd make them into like some like forgotten like after Cadia broke, like it'd be like some like remnant Cadian guard somewhere that just got left on a planet and like the administrator just like sorry we forgot like that you were there for like a hundred years and these guys are just furious but I mean that's part of the reason I haven't picked those up from you I know I've talked about traitor guard quite a lot I just don't know what I want to do with them yet so I mean they're they're not going anywhere yeah yeah so Um, six years when you still have them I'll pick them up from you I mean, that's, until or the codex drops and then somebody posts that oh yeah for yeah. the yeah just, for the cadians that i've always played i just don't have an army right that's now, so that's what you need to do is just wait a couple of months until yeah. am codex drops and you can sell the shit out of this literally like um, the week before the codex drops when the, all the like nice teasers show up before they drop the hammer on what sucks about the faction when the book actually drops then you'll be able to unload them then yeah i mean cadian guard like infantry and tanks are not going to be bad like yeah. they're never going to be bad so, well, it's the, anyhow, the whole identity of the army, it's really. Like, you got to take the Valkyrie, though. You got to take the Valkyrie because I know the Valkyrie's going to suck. Um, <laughs> what about no, you, I think, Zach? Um, kind of going back to what was your what was your question again? Yeah, about like, the you, recent how, recent what, I know, examples I know hobbies of hobbies. Yeah, so burnout. That I, you've I've had. actually this has been kind of near the front of my mind, um, hobby wise, for the past couple of months because I think about halfway through last season i actually felt like i was in a pretty big hobby slump and that's because two years prior i kind of instituted a program for myself where i spent about an hour every night working on you know painting basically or assembling and i got a shitload done and then i i basically accomplished all the goals i had set out for myself with that and that was to completely redo my world eaters army and now i've got you know five thousand points of world eaters that are hanging out there ready to go at any time but since then i've kind of just been a little bit less regimented with it and so i feel like i kind of almost go through like two week cycles with it like i'll have two weeks of um you know really high productivity and then i just won't do anything for two weeks um and i'm kind of in the same boat with mike you know i definitely agree you know you'll go to a tournament and you'll see um you know probably one or two like really beautifully painted armies and then you'll probably see 10 or 15 that are you know you know workhorse armies they look good from three feet away don't get too close to them though because they're going to find issues and then you'll see like three or four that are just straight up fucking garbage um i think we saw that at our last tournament not to get into not to digress too much but i mean you know some people just very clearly do not care about the hobby aspect and personally i think that kind of violates the um social contract of wargaming i think you need to put a modicum of effort well not maybe not a modicum but you, i mean some of them there was mean, one that was in particularly hideous where you could tell that there was a lot of time spent on it and then absolutely zero time painting because holy shit yeah i mean like and did, did that I, kind of annoys me like I, I get that people don't like to paint and stuff but like put a little bit of effort and pride into your stuff because when I look at this, this is a reflection. Like, when I look at your army, it's a reflection on you as a person. So, did I ever Honestly, tell you guys like, about the Blue Bretonians? No. So, back this, I know, mm. I know, I know I've mentioned before that, uh, you know, I used to play fantasy battles back when it was a rank and flank game. And a bunch of my buddies from high school all got into it at the same time. And there was one guy who got the Imperial Army, and he was a phenomenal painter. He was yeah. just gifted with it, sort of like how my wife is, which well, I'll talk in a moment about how that could be demoralizing living with someone that's a much better painter than you. Uh, but uh, he had this phenomenally painted, with all the war machines, full army. This other guy that we played with, uh, he had absolutely no interest in painting. So what he did was he built his Bretonians and then just hit them all with Krylod blue oh. pro- paint from Walmart. Oh. <laughs> So they were the blue Bretonians, and it was the most... Whenever you would see those two armies on the table against each other, it was the most stark contrast of, like, why... why You're doing a disservice to those painters if you show up with that-looking army, because it, yeah. it, it 
by contrast, uh, yeah, it does make their army look amazing, but it makes the whole tableau uh, game breaking. Like the whole, you look at the setup of the table, the the basically the diorama of the game in action, yeah. and you see these amazingly painted models, and then you see Primer Fest, and yeah. I mean, I've been guilty of that a little bit with my Space Marines, but that's kind of how Space Marine armies look. Like, you prime them whatever color their power armor is supposed to yeah. be, then you oh, do a yeah. touch-up. No, I, I base coat in the primary color, and then yeah. I go work up from there. Yeah, but he, he did none of the work up. Yeah. He did none of the work up. Yeah, it was in, just, in his defense, we were high school students. We had a lot of other things yeah, on our minds. I get, yeah. But it just it stands out the perfect example of why whenever you show up with a well-painted army and you are put up against an army that has is like like you know the monochrome gray or like just the base coat and nothing else how it's it's doing a disservice to the well painted yeah. army yeah um just it's not a good representation of the hobby either well, but so i mean I, my my point i guess is that i you know with with these different i guess cycles of productivity i i feel like i've I, and mike kind of brought it up earlier you know with 3 feet like 3 feet's always going to be my goal and then striving to make the three inches look good too. So, you know, if an army looks good from three feet, it's playable on the table. If it looks good from three inches, though, that means you actually put, like, real time into it. And so I consider myself mostly to be, like, an artisan painter. Like, I'm, I'm going to put, you know, effort into my work when I'm painting and make sure that it's quality, but I'm not an artist. Like, yeah. I'm not going to go fucking wild with painting. Um, I mean, I'm going to strive to be a little bit more artistic but i think you know the best i can do is artisanal i i will say that one of the things that i found helps with uh when it comes to painting is prioritizing and know what needs to look good yeah um and this kind of ties back into the joke i made a, m- a moment about my wife demoralizing me with her painting skill uh, i don't know if i've talked about my wife before on the podcast i know we you guys know that karen plays uh she doesn't play, but she hobbies. Like mm-hmm. she is very interested in painting, but she has no interest in painting rank and file. She like will steal HQ units and hero units from me. She has her own collection of models. Um, but I am a hundred percent okay with her painting my HQ models because she's gonna she will go in and do all that very very artistic level of uh, painting to it, and then I will just do like a quick and dirty on the frank uh, the rank and flank because. Yeah that's not what people are paying attention to anyway, right? Like, no one's going to look at your super well-painted army and pick up, uh, you know, a guardsman or a Skitari and use that as the example. They're going to pick up the HQ guy that has all the cool extra details yeah, that give yeah. you a palette to work with. See, I um, I actually made a comment about that yesterday um, with my cultist. <laughs> I'm like, oh, look, in my three-color minimum painted cultist because it's so hard to care about these guys. Well, that's 100% <laughs> it. Like, yeah. I'm, you know, I made the comment in the last podcast that I'm going to be trying to get my space, my uh, admic, you know, actually be fully painted in time mm-hmm. for the tournament that we were talking about. And one of the things that's the barriers that's in my way is my Skatari troopers. I got to paint like twenty or thirty of those yep. guys, and I'm just not. It's super hard to care about those when I have cool chunky like robots to paint and and yeah. and um, the cool new riders and the the pterodactyl flamethrower guys. Yeah, such a cool name. Um, yeah, one hundred percent. But I mean, that, and that raises, you know, we. I think going back to our main point, that's one of the ways that I have found. I mean, two main ways for me to get out of a hobby slump is one, do a palette cleanser, mm-hmm. um, and so paint something totally different. Like right now, I'm doing a palette cleanser army. Um, I'm on the Death Guard hype train right now. Whoop, whoop. Um, yeah, I know, chasing that meta. But um, I'm also like, I'm actually deeply enjoying painting the death guard that i'm doing i'm doing kind of like a fall theme with them so like cream colored army just a shitload of seraphim sepia on everything but with like uh, purple highlights and i really like how it's turning out and so painting hasn't felt like a chore on that um and so it's been a nice palette cleanser um and then um also doing and you know independent characters talks about this a lot resetting the mechanism um and what i mean by that is you know I guess uh, beautifying isn't the right term, but clearing your hobby space so that it's um, you know clean and ready to go. Yeah, so that's... I, I'm definitely someone that operates in controlled chaos. Like I don't mind a little bit of clutter and mess, but at some point that gets to the point where it's just 
I guess, oppressive almost. And so doing a reset really helps. Well, I will. Yeah, and I agree with that. And I'm actually, I just put a model on the table that I showed to Zach from Arch Villain. It's a 3D printed model. It's cool. And I, you know, it's different. It's not Warhammer. And like when we played Crisis Protocol, and I bought Crisis Protocol after we played the game, I base coated all those in Wraithbone and painted every single one of them. Yeah, you painted that. You painted up that corset very quick, and that actually that was an inspiration for me to, to get off my ass and start doing hobby again as well. Yeah, um, now I have a full chaos or crisis protocol box that's ready to go, mm-hmm. and it was, and then that got me motivated to finish my Silent King that had been sitting on my desk for and like a month. The little bit I've started working with those models again, and those are fun chunky models. Like you don't you haven't seen the actual Hulk model? They're forty yet. millimeter. They're not yeah. thirty two. They're big and chunky, and there's all these fun details to paint on them. And it's just like starting, you know, when I went through that big building spree, it made me like look at the Ghost Rider model when I built him. And I'm like, I'm really excited about painting the fire on this guy. That's going to be fun, and hopefully I can make it look awesome. And so that is definitely one way to fight it is to look for uh, things that you could do to change it up to make break up the monotony. You know, I was talking about how uh, if you're paying, playing a big war game, uh, you're gonna have basic troops that are. I, I don't can't think of a single army where the basic troops are fun to pl- to paint, right? Like because you're just painting so many of them. Even if one would have been fun to paint, yeah. Once you're getting to painting twenty plus, it, you're just like. No, there there are a few factions I can think of that I had a good time painting. Uh, the night haunts. I, I could see the night haunts because like the chain rafts because all I did was I primed them white, painted the cloaks black. <laughs> dry brush a little bit of like some ethereal glow to them yeah. and then hit them with some blue and then just dry brush some other colors so and that do, was done. Do you think that you found that enjoyable on the troops because they were low effort, high reward? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right, for sure. So yeah, like I mean I'm trying to think. Oh, you know I actually just finished the commission for uh, a guy named Steve on his custodians and like I was pretty excited for it when I got him but my god, I got fucking tired of yeah but by, by the end if you <laughs> if you have to paint 30 guys that have a lot of like it little details 12, but oh no yeah. it's custodians i'm so, surprised it was so more than five so base coat so base color was white Ooh. so Ooh. super issue it's it i mean it was to the point where if i looked at a model wrong i had to do 15 minutes of cleanup so work on it i, I just I was, given you my corax white you could have just <laughs> i primed them in wraithbone did you? Yeah, and like that cut back on some of the actual manual labor, but it's just like if that brush went anywhere I didn't want it to go, oh, yeah. cleanup work. And That's... then the cleanup work would cause mistakes. I'm like, so dude, I do want I, I was so happy to put that shit in the mail. I do want to point out to those of you at home, if you're maybe not one of our hobbyists that are just listening to podcasts because you listen to us for some reason, um, white is one of the most difficult yes. colors to deal with because yes. it is, it's super hard to get a satisfying white tone. And it's also, as Zach just pointed out, very, very unforgiving. Yeah, it's, it took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say it's an extremely unforgiving color to work say with. Say that one in yellow. Those yeah. are the two kind of big ones yeah. for me. And Yellow's certain shades of red can be difficult to work with. but Really? I haven't had any issues I've found that. red to be one of the – and yeah, it, I'm familiar with it too as a world eater's player. Yeah. So. Uh, my experience with there's to, to get certain um, like very, very vibrant shades of red can be difficult. Okay. Um it's not the most difficult color. It's nowhere near as bad as white or yellow in my experience, yeah. but it can be difficult. Yeah. Okay. Um, and sense. also to touch upon, this is why I'm, despite my commitment to get my admec done, I'm not entirely looking forward to certain parts of the process because the, all the Skatari, the little basic troops for admec, have so many little fiddly bits. Um, I'm hoping I have some techniques to deal with that because I'm kind of plant, uh, approaching it from a uh, lead belcher primer and then. Yeah, dude. And just yeah. no, and would, lots of wash. I don't know that I'd lead belt your primer him. I'd probably go black on well, the primer, and then I'd like I dry brush him lead well, belcher on all the little like spindly bits. Well, what makes it what the, red what to me is the most wash. difficult part yeah. is getting all the metallic bits that are in the core of the unit where because they have all those coats and stuff that hang over. Yeah, which makes getting in there for my my uh, not always steady hands difficult. So the priming yeah. in, in lead belcher means I don't have to worry about getting in there as much. It's, and I and yeah. I do know like there I will lose some definition on those, but those are basic troops. I don't care. Yeah, you're not going to lose much. My 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 thought process because I've I've worked with lead belcher a lot and continue to work with lead belcher as a base a lot. The thing is that paint doesn't always adhere to it well. Yeah, and I could see that. I, yeah, I, yeah, that's a problem. A, a lot of my stuff I've already painted, like my my vehicles and the HQ units. I, I primed them in lead belcher, okay. so right, cool. yeah. I've got some success with it already. But I, I am aware of that problem as well. Yeah, you know, what and it's, it's your army too, dude. So yeah. I mean, the way that I, I mean, I like what because I do it kind of backwards. Like I dry brush stuff after I prime it, 
and that's because with a lot of my stuff I like kind of the more like muted kind of toned down look on the trim because like I don't think my world leaders would have like shining trim you know like these guys yeah. don't really care as long as they're you know, equipment's functional. And so I like how that looks. So I do it a little bit different. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, if you're getting the outcome you want, then that's all that matters. Yeah. So. I mean, and you guys saw, cause I painted the transports that I'm using in this army, uh, a while back, the, uh, a while. the hoverboat yeah. and the dune crawler. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, those came out really, you know, sir, I liked it. Yeah, they yeah. came out. It's an interesting color palette. What it, matters is that you like it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so talking about to kind of focus back on how do you break up this, this, uh, slump. Well, I think we both had, uh, and for the sake of brevity, we both had really good points. Yeah. His was, and, and I'm not going to speak for you, Zach, but what I got from his was vary it up a little bit and do a palette. Oh, 100%. Feel, feel like you need to. Yeah, and then reset your space. Reset your space. Too. That's that, a good. That one. can help. Yeah. For me, it's manage your expectations. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. make sure, manage your expectations of yourself. Because what I fell into that trap was I would look at White Dwarf, I'd look at Instagram, and I'd look at battle reports and be like, God damn, those are beautiful models. And I would spend a lot of time on one model. And then you realize that this looks fucking great. How many more of these do I have to do? 70. 70. Yeah. I'm not, I don't feel like doing this anymore. So the one thing I was going to, the other thing I was going to comment before um, I get to my, one one of my suggestions to deal with it is uh, the hobby resetting also helped a lot. Before I started building those models, I went into our, our the wife and I's hobby room, and I literally just said, "Okay, this is a goddamn train wreck," because it was like I decided from from boxing and unboxing armies because I store my armies in that hobby room as well to like get a new product that it came in like my my uh, Ko Battle Fleet that I'm starting up in the near future. I just had boxes everywhere and sprues everywhere, so I spent about a, an evening just resetting everything stacking up and prioritizing what I was going to tackle next and clearing my actual workspace. And like within, like I said, within a day and a half, two days, I had cleared out my entire Marvel backlog. I am. Um, I actually have two more kind of smaller suggestions. Um, first one's probably the most important um, for me. One thing, and this isn't necessarily to deal with hobby slump, but it should help you um, really improve. I think your quality, get a display case mm-hmm. because then you, you know, that, puts it in your head once this model's done it's going in the case and people are going to look at it mm-hmm. and even if you know they're laymen and don't know what they're looking at like you can tell when something looks like shit and when it looks good yeah. you know and so that's really I think that that's drastically increased some of the appearance of my models um, and then um, you know Mike made a good point about um, managing your expectations um, I think that it's also important to not decide to um fully paint a Necron army and not to say that you did this I'm only using Necrons as an example because there's usually like you know 100 models but don't decide to play a Necron army at an RTT that's on Saturday on Tuesday because you're not going to get it done yeah, and get, if you do it's going to be painful treat treat your hobby like a hobby yeah, yeah and that was do it for enjoyment not because you're grinding that was part of my issue with the custodies I think I really felt like I was just working yeah, and you and you were doing it as a commission, so in a way it was. Yeah, but you know, I did a commission on Magnus that I fucking loved doing, um, and you know, partially that's because you know, hey, I like chaos and. Oh, and Magnus is a nice model. Magnus is a cool model, my, my. and those custodies are super cool models too, man. I'd honestly like to get some for myself and paint them, but I mean, yeah, it, well, if I it got feels five like, of them, you can have. I don't want them. Okay. Yeah, you can you can take them. Make I ca- will take them. Make chaos custodies. No. Do it. I'm gonna steal Dylan's color scheme. He's I got love the, the, the the brother Alpha Busa with the very gay looking <laughs> custodies. They're like the guys that are in shirtless like, t- and their like helmets just printing and, and, and like, uh, banana hammocks. Yeah. <laughs> I think you should do that. So, um, one thing I will say about in my opinion, a, a big thing that helps you avoid uh, hobby in, or ho- the hobby slump in general, and this goes back to something that Mike was talking about, is don't chase the meta pick an army that you are going yeah. to like the look of yeah you're gonna have to spend so much time you're gonna have to spend so much time painting this army or painting these models that you should enjoy what you're painting yeah that being said not every i'm gonna put in disclaimer here not every army you think looks cool is gonna play the way you want that happened to me with yeah. tau i love the look of tau 
Um, but Rip what's ties assaulting in the combat? <laughs> yeah, I just Tao and I uh, playstyles didn't didn't mesh. Yeah. Um, but try and find projects that you're excited about the look of them. That mm-hmm. will help. That's kind of what, what I'm more getting at. Um, you know what aesthetics you like. You know what what general appearance of things you like. Um, and if you don't, they don't actually have the models, you could always try your hand at uh, you know maybe maybe making some custom modifications. Doing a little conversion hammer. Yep. But um, honestly, the biggest thing that helped me a lot of times whenever I've gotten it over the years is stepping away from the hobby for yep. like a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. That is that like over Christmas break, I literally just stepped away, spent time with my daughter, spent time like playing video games, just kind of resetting. And then when I got to the point where I'm like, okay, I know I've got these things coming up and I know I have these goals for this year, I kind of kick things back into gear and I'm, you know, this afternoon, once we get done recording, I'm going back to building into Actually, that's funny that you say that because I am in my my wheels down, kind of, I was wheels up in the hobby for a while, just kind of like, I, I did my thing, I went to a tournament, I painted a shitload, I've been working really hard, and like, I'm actually coming down off of that now, and I'm actually well, like, I'm going to go do some other shit for a while. Well, yeah, dude, take a break. You've got 2,000 points of Necrons. No, and I've got a tournament list, and... I, well, and my point is, like, you've got, you've got an army painted up that you can play and be happy with how it looks at the table. Right. You've mm-hmm. got some other obligations that are game related, which I know is a big part of mm-hmm. why you do this. And you know, just take time to enjoy the the accomplishment of painting an army. Yeah, I mean, I Sorry, still play a the song game. Pop into my head. Ah, I want to sing it. On my it looked like you had something to say, so I was like, "What? What?" No, it was um. <laughs> so start belting out hooked Stone on a feeling. Temple Pilot song. I can't oh, remember never mind. Which one? Like no, I'm just I was you, I, I made a joke about it being hooked on a feeling because I'm about to watch Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, uh, okay, in my Marvel rewatch. Yeah, I think Mike makes a good point though because and you know George kind of expanded on it too, like that. You know, sometimes if you're in a hobby slump, it's okay to be in a hobby slump. Just let mm-hmm. it go. Do something else. It's yeah. it's a hobby. This yeah. is not something where you have to be those people that this is their whole life, and it's certainly not my whole life. This this occupies a very small percentage of my time. Like, in, in the grand scheme of things, it occupies a very small percentage of my time. I go to tournaments in Albany, Georgia, because I genuinely enjoy going to tournaments most of the time. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I genuinely enjoy going to Albany, Georgia. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, definitely not Albany, Georgia, but... It's not terrible. It's not a terrible place. Sorry, Craig. It's just, I would, if, if there was a GT closer to my house, I'd it's, definitely go to that one. Yeah, it's just it's but, not a convenient place. We could definitely say that. No, but, but I have a good time. Yeah. People at tournaments are, for the most part, very nice people, actually. Yeah, uh, you you do run into a couple people that you probably would rather not talk to anymore. But um, and I enjoy playing games. And now that I have my two thousand points, even though it's not going to win me any medals for best painted, it looks good. Mm-hmm. And my opponent pr- appreciates the fact that I have a fully painted, ready to go army that they can go up against. Because that's what it's all about. Yeah. It's about paint. No, build, paint, play. Those are the three words in the in the Warhammer thing. And that's for anything for Frostgrave, for D and D, for you know, a D&D guy, he may only have one mini, but he spent some time painting it, puts it down on the table, and then proceeds to piss everybody else off in the game store when he tries to roleplay a halfling. <laughs> just... I've only seen one D&D player paint their miniatures before, and that D&D player was me. Oh, really? So, yeah. So, you, yeah, I've seen lots of people paint. I, I mean, actually... Now, my, my group that... I don't even know why I call it a group. We haven't played in six months. Like, oh. game over. Um, but, like, I mean, the, the people that I tend to play RPGs with are... I mean, the, the campaign that I DM'd was their first campaign. So, I mean, and they don't... You know, the, the D&D that we play very infrequently is the only, like, quote-unquote, hobby that they partake in which is cool i mean you know they got their thing yeah. going on yeah, it's their it's their thing they're not like fully down the black hole that this can be it, so, it can be yeah, having been in the hobby for a long time yeah. it, it could be a black hole and there's lots of there's lots of really redeeming things about it like you can oh, yeah. you can do you know and, and playing the game and just having a good time is is part of it and if you're not if you find yourself not having a good time like I, my my heart goes out to the people that are really trying to get to the two thousand points, have the army painted, and just stay put. Like that, the people that are struggling to get through that, definitely my heart goes out to you. Once you have an army, it's a little bit easier. Yeah, I feel like um, getting to that that first two thousand point army mm-hmm. to be fully painted just feels like such a hurdle. And that's a major accomplishment. Like yeah, anybody that it does, really is. Yeah. anybody that does a two thousand point army, like 
I, my my first completed army is is like a four thousand point blades of corn Sigmar army, and while the some of the models don't look good it's actually really cool to look at because some of the models those are those were the first models i ever bought so it's really cool to pick up one of my reavers and say this was like the second model i ever painted and I've, then they'll look all the way down at like the 110th 150th or even the thousandth model that i painted and look at that one and be like this one's a lot better but it's cool to look at my army and see that level of improvement mm -hmm. over time I sadly don't have any of my old models that I painted. I had a fully painted Signor Army, and I had to sell it, mm. like, yeah, 10 years ago. I was thinking about that. Uh, I was listening to an Art of War podcast on my uh, drive down here this morning. And, um, yeah, the the gentleman that they were interviewing talked about, like, oh, I still have my first, like, Marine that I painted. I was like, I have no fucking idea where my first miniature was that I painted. Or, like, I, I would assume it was a Space Marine of some man. I, well, actually, no, it was probably a Wood Elf. Now that I think about it, but I have no idea. Where I, I'm the same way because now. now that I think about it, my actual first model I completely finished, based, painted was a uh, it might have been Malekith, the uh, dark elf, the old dark elf uh -huh. character riding a dragon, uh -huh. and like my step, my my was mom, it a dragon or was it one of like the cold? Ones? No, it was a dragon. Okay, it was like because it was it was old goofy Warhammer Fantasy Battles yeah. Fourth Edition dragon with the, the stupid wings. Dude, I had a fucking well, elf dragon. My, God, I wish I had that again. I, Oh man, FLGS has a couple of those right now. I think on the used shelf, I should pick one up. I was so proud of that because, like, nice. where I grew up, there were no hobby stores. So I, this thing yeah. was painted with like mostly stuff I got from Walmart. So it was yeah. really crappily painted, but Not really thick like acrylic. Oh yeah. 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 But one of the coolest things was my uh, my mom's ex husband used to do duck decoy carving, like, okay. like competitively, and so he ha he had this like iridescent mix in powder that he would put in the paints to get that that iridescent sheen from the duck feathers on the decoys. And I'd, cool. I'd mix that in with some purple paint so the wings were actually iridescent. It looked, especially for, like, just starting out in the hobby, I thought it looked fucking metal. I thought it was the coolest-looking dragon. And now I look back, think back and I look at it, I, have, I, I may still have some pictures of it, but and I'm like, it really didn't look that great. I remember, it looked good enough. I remember painting my dragon and, like, thinking, like, that wood elf dragon that I had. And I had to put it on layaway, I remember, because I was a kid and I got, like, a $10 allowance and... That dragon was, wait for it, $36. <laughs> so I'd, it took me a month to save up and get it, and I, I thought it was going to look so great. But, like, in retrospect, I had no idea what shades were. Like, because oh. I thought that people got, like, that shade, like, because they'd paint their base color and then, like, go back in with, like, black and do, like, almost, like, micro highlights. Mm -hmm. And so I just had, like, black streaks. Right. <laughs> it looks so bad. So 2017, <laughs> first model I ever painted was a blood letter from yep. the Star Collecting Demons of Corn. Okay, yeah, yeah. And bought the, the paint set, the Age of Sigmar paint set that came with this, the snips because it was a good deal because the snips were, like, 10 bucks by themselves and then all that paint. So yep. I had a corn red. So I painted my blood letters corn red, and I had some lead belcher, and I think I bought some war block bronze, and I did the star collecting box of um, those. Those are my first ones, and now I have like shit a hundred of those things. You have a hundred blood letters? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I got sixty blood letters. I'm sorry. Man. When you play Age of Sigmar against them, it, they, you get punched in the face with blood letters. At yeah, least... I know. I have 35, and sometimes I think that the blood letter bomb's a little aggressive. But Well, the thing about a... the Sigmar army is I have they, they start out as mortals, and then I just run them at you in lines of, of mortals, and then as they die, I generate blood type points and bring uh, back God. blood letters. You're going just... to need to let me borrow your fucking... We, we definitely, especially your, once... Your blades of corn. Um one thing I definitely I, I can't speak highly enough kind of going back to the topic and then I'm going to talk about my own goal here is setting goals and setting realistic goals yeah like I came up with a hobby plan this year because I want to have completed armies I have a lot of armies that are on the cusp or have some I have a lot of foundational work and they need some work to get there but they they have it because life and my own ADD um but the uh setting realistic goals well, is one of the things I've found helps me with it. So, like, one of my goals, I, I've made reference to starting a KO army. I'm not touching those guys. I'm not even assembling them, even though that's that's what I want to do right now. Like, I want to go home and build my KO. I just want to build all the plastic in my house. Mm -hmm. Is I want to finish painting my 2,000 points of Skaven because I've got 1,000 full points painted. They just need to be based. I painted that in, like, a week for the tournament, that the Age of S tournament that you ran back in now, well, feels like back in the day. Um, wow. And I've got 
a few more things to paint, to build and paint, to finish it. So I just am forcing myself to cross that finish line because I know I want to play with that list at 2,000 points because it could be silly. I'm, you know, I'm going to blow myself up because I'm scaving. Um, Shoot your house at the moon. Exactly. Um, but that's so that's a goal that I'm setting that I know I could reasonably achieve. Mm-hmm. And I'm also giving myself a reward. Once I'm done with that and once I'm done with my ad mech, I will let myself start on building big stupid dwarf boats. Yep. Which I'm super excited about. So my thing is, um, barring other systems, 40K, it's locked to Necrons. So I got 2,000 points of Necrons sitting in a hard case. What? You're lying right now. No, I'm not. Necrons and Drakari. Drakari, I'm not planning to play competitively oh really okay i'm I'm planning to pick up the codex i'm going to pick up the codex and i'm going to kind of make those purchases that i think that they're strong units i've got a thousand points of fully painted drakari in my bag right there i have a thousand points in there um but i have two thousand points uh, and right now i'm setting realistic goals and i'm keeping myself limited in the scope of what my hobby will actually be spent on and for that i play 40k i play necrons in 40k this year I have everything I need for that, and if I buy like so, if I buy, I bought more um, score packs okay. for my list. Yeah, I bought six more, um, and they're not here yet, but I ordered them. I will paint those. I'll paint those up and get those tabletop ready. I will get my other cryptic ready. I'll get some of my and my trays in the infinite ready. But that's because I'm sticking within my. So set yourself a limited boundary mm-hmm. of like I'm going to stick to just this one. And then I'll focus on my other ones later on. And I may decide six months from now, like, eh, Necrons aren't my thing anymore. Maybe I'll start my Drakari. But at least then I've stayed within my limit of, I didn't buy, I didn't just go out and buy a shitload of other stuff to, to do. I just stuck my purchases into one specific thing. Because, like, right now, if you look at back here, I've got, you know, a bunch of different shit. Some of it's Drakari, some of it's Chaos, some of it's, you know, Imperium. And, 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 that, that can get overwhelming in and of itself, too. All of us are staring at that box of Titanicus, too. We, I, oh, we I, all are, yeah. I, I don't want to think about it. Reaver Titan built, and you want to talk about putting someone into a hobby slump? That fucking model. Yeah. <laughs> it took me two hours to do one mo- to assemble. I think one it took model. me like four hours to assemble my Warlord Titan yeah. out of my Grandmaster box. And I've got another two to build. I'm like, I, haven't, I haven't touched it since. I, I built it a couple of days after you guys gave that to me, and it was a wonderful gift. But I, I have not touched it since. <laughs> no, it's just you're gonna you're gonna participate in the suffering we all have to participate in. That's why we bought it for you, so that we can bring you to the suck with us. Yeah, so I, I think you guys explicitly said he's not gonna buy this, so we need to get it for him <laughs> so he'll play it. Well, it's also <laughs> and like it was smart. One hundred percent correct. Yeah. But you know what I'm gonna do with those? I'm gonna I'm gonna build them up. And I'm gonna spray them with either the Army Painter gunmetal or the Lead Belcher if I have it. I'm gonna base them in that. I'm gonna paint the the armor a certain color. I'm gonna make it look good from three feet away. I'm gonna paint it in the, the Legio Kratos, which is the one I'm playing, and that's it. Yeah, I definitely See feel that. like that's one of those projects that once I get to the actual painting stage, it's gonna be a simple thing because I'm doing similar to what you're doing. Prime them in a gunmetal type color. Maybe base coat with a lighter silver or something. Yeah, give them give them a little bit of highlighting, not much, and and be like, cool, it's a giant robot that looks appropriate. I'm gonna I'm gonna take my time on them, just because I, I feel like having had painted a couple of you know two thousand points of Chaos Knights and so fifteen hundred like points of Lord of Skulls, like I'm familiar with how like big ass models work, and while these are you know small ass big ass models, they still have that kind of like scale and build. So there's a lot of surface area on them, so they're going to be easy to paint, and I feel like I can put a little bit more effort into them and get them to pop. But the issue is, and this is why I exhaled a lot earlier, like I want to play the Legio something. I can't remember the guys that were with World Eaters throughout the Heresy. Mm-hmm. They only use Warhound Titans, and I've only got two Warhound Titans. So i got to like figure out, I don't know, maybe... Can they use well, can they use night lances too? Like the little the little basic super small knights? I don't know, maybe most of them can. Yeah, you can I do would a banner of knights. Um, but I don't know. Maybe I might just do something where it's like, oh, this is that, and then not use the rules for it, so I can bring like night lances or something. But I don't know. What, what we'll probably end up doing is playing a couple of games, and then we can all start shuffling miniatures between one another. And that's what I think, yeah. honestly, because like my my Legio Kratos is like big models. Like usually they just like they, their whole thing with Iron Warriors was. I, I don't have speed, 
and I don't have martial prowess, I'm going to level everything in front of me so that I can shoot at you. Like, if there is a building between you, I'm just going to level that building and shoot behind you. Like, behind, I'm going to shoot you behind it. That's that's what leads you Kratos the Godbreakers. I just find that's a cool name. I just want to shout, fire the Ursus Claws. Yeah, and shit, man. Like, that's the whole point of this stuff, is to yeah. have fun. Oh, yeah. And part <laughs> no. of that fun is... This is a profession. Literally dozens of dollars to be made. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally dozens of dollars. <laughs> but, I mean... And the other thing, and and I will say this about Hobby Progress. Spend some time just looking at your models. Like, look at, look at the ones you have done. Right? Uh-huh. And find something you like about them. Yeah, appreciate the accomplishment. And appreciate what you did. And that can kind of revitalize you, too. Like, man, this looks really good. I can replicate this. This is a system that I can do. And, and think about it, too. And, you know, don't don't watch these. The How to Paint videos, some of them are really good. Mm-hmm. Like, the Duncan Road stuff, especially the fast ones, I love those. Where he's like, how to, how to paint Battle Ready Iron Warriors <laughs> and, like... It's like a five-minute video, and he's like, we base coat in Lead Belcher, we take this Reichland flesh shade, we do it all over the trim, we color this part yellow, they're, we hit it with Nolan Oil. Their definition of battle ready is a lot different than my definition of battle ready, right. because they have like six coats of shade on I know, those models. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, this looks good, but I don't know that I'd say this is speed painting necessarily. Well, also, it's like, and, and don't don't count out the things, even if you're yeah. uh, the, the contrast painting, man. Fuck yeah, man! Oh I my love contrast. God, that contrast stuff saves is you so fantastic. Much time. So, yeah. talk about speed painting. Just reminded me. Do you, either of y'all? And this may have, by the time y'all got into the hobby, this may no longer have been a thing. But it was definitely a thing when I was playing War Machine, like you know, ten years ago. Um, do y'all remember dipping the army? Did y'all ever hear about dipping the yes, army? Yes, you can still do it with Army Painter. Well, Army they Painter has their own product. Well, yeah. But before Army Painter was on the market, people would just go buy. And in fact, I still have a can from when I was going to try and do this. They, you just get like your your floor stain. That's that's all, yeah yeah. Mike is looking intrigued. You would just put your base colors, like your very base colors, like okay, I'm Signor, so I've got my blue, uh, my blue and my black trim and all that. And then you just take after you have those the very basic colors blocked out, you just dip the model in this polyurethane floor stain, attach it to a, the end of a drill with this very jury rig, oh, and then you would this. put it in a box so that the spider would would not like go everywhere, and you would get off all the excess by spinning it and it would make this shaded good enough and sealed model like super fast wow like and that's actually how army painter got started before they did their own line they released their army painter dips Mm -hmm. and it was basically like their strong tone their their weak tone like those washes that they do now you could still get the dips directly from them but that they, they made a gaming version of the Here's your your Minwax floor product because it was specifically Minwax that everybody was using back then. I don't like this. I, I don't. <laughs> don't like that. Yeah, don't I, like that at all. I think I did it with one model and I was like, this looks like utter garbage. Yeah, because like, I can't imagine that like you dipping your shit in floor sealant and then spinning it on a drill is gonna produce a good model like, it, it, it wasn't about producing a good model it was about producing a good yeah, enough and that, model and, and it I, I don't mind I don't mind people being sweaty and like being a tryhard or whatever because I'm a sweaty tryhard when it comes to competitive play but like just putting out shit so you can play a model and be like oh it's bad already I get my 10 victory point like no man like you need to earn those 10 victory points in my opinion like if, yeah, you, you can use your, you know, quick cuts and stuff, like contrast paints and whatnot, but still, like, come on, put some... I mean, I've seen some Space Wolves. I mean, Dan uses... He uses a lot of contrast for his Space Wolves, and his Space Wolves look fantastic. Yeah, and I'm, you... saying, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with contrast. Yes, you did. Dan, That's what you said. Go fuck <laughs> you yourself. You guys heard Dan. it here first. <laughs> no, I didn't. I said contrast is fine. I use contrast. And Dan... Look at him flip-flopping now. He's I'm not flip-flopping, flip-flopping bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to flip-flop your mouth. <laughs> and what does that fight. mean? <laughs> Don't tempt me with a good time there, Zach. No, but I mean, and like, I mean, seriously, Dan, like, puts a ton of effort into his models. And yeah, he uses contrast, but look at, you know, what his work yields. It's a good product. Yeah, but it's not got, dipping my shit in floor wax and fucking, like... Though <laughs> so it'll probably be a period, because he'll find some system to do that, and it'll look fantastic, and he'll be like, oh, I just 
I, I spent like five minutes on this model. I just hit him with some contrast and then used some floor poly, and I'm just like, fuck you, Dan. <laughs> floor poly. That's just my excuse to say, fuck you, Dan. Like, yeah, we're bringing it back. <laughs> he has ever, bad ever. opinions on chaos, too. Do what? Remember what he said? He said, uh, chaos isn't allowed in my house. And I was like, get better opinions, nerd. <laughs> get better opinions. And then he oh. made fun of my height, and he said, pats you on the head. <laughs> <laughs> Not short. Advertise <laughs> for U.S. American. You gave yourself the nickname of Angry Dwarf in the group chat, so just own it, Mike. Yeah, yeah, you kind of, you kind of did that to yourself there. I, I never angry, said you were short. I'm the Angry Dwarf. That is true, though. The um, I never said you were short. I'm but, just kidding around. But yeah, it's definitely you are I, short, though. I think at the end of the day, the end of the day to, to kind of encapsulate everything and, and wrap this up. Yeah, hobby slump is a real thing. You, hobby burnout's a real thing. If you are having it, there's legitimate ways to just step away and take a break. Yep. And that's cool. Like, be comfortable. This is a hobby. Yeah, Enjoy yeah. what you're doing. And if you are trying to set out and do something and push yourself to break through it, that, that works too. But you have to set realistic goals or you're just going to make the burnout worse. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. The... And- don't don't be so hard don't be hard on yourself if you're going through it because it's you are not alone in this you are not unique in that in that regard everybody goes through this at some point or another it's normal to have it and don't you know don't get too down on yourself because it's like oh man i haven't painted any of my models i'm a total loser it's like no actually just you may have other shit going on or you may just not want to do it today and that's okay like at the moment this starts feeling like a job for me i'm done yeah the moment yeah. it starts feeling like a job for me i'm out like because i already work too much like i don't need to be doing this too like if it's if it's another job for me yeah i do i do the hobby stuff to set up the game part of the hobby stuff and to relax with something that i can do without as much thought and let's all be clear about what the end goal is the end goal is to play the game because the game is the most relaxing part for me that's the time to kick back and start yelling and screaming, throwing <laughs> dice around, like yelling obscenities at the game store and getting the owner really mad at you. I mean, that's the fun time. The beer and pretzels, let's have a great time, talk shit, you know, get to know another person if you're playing a new guy, get to hate another person if that person sucks. You know, just that's Not the if angle. they suck at the game, though. We prefer that. So. <laughs> Especially if you let me win, I'll definitely like you. Never. I'll never let you. Yeah, no, you've earned it every time you beat me. So, just too much. It Sad. Is. So I don't know if you guys, if the listeners have picked it up. But Mike's, uh, I think, uh, higher on the win rates against me. I think I've beaten you like what well, five times. And I, think, beat me I think twice in ninth. Yeah, it's twice. Sad. No, you beat me three times in night. I I lay awake at night. Three times in three three times in night. How do I beat Mike? You perfected the Drakari. I did. Yeah. You beat me at that tournament where I played Garden Knights. Yeah. And then you beat me that one time with my Necrons when I was first starting. So you beat me three. So hashtag. Oh, that was a Halloween. I was like, God. So what what I'm hearing is we need hashtag Nerf Necrons. Yeah. Op nerf immediately. They no, are no, like they no. are like eight Necrons. Necrons no, are they're they're solid. Necrons are very good, but they're also beatable. Yeah. So yeah. Like they are, they're. I mean, a Silent King. Everybody's gonna be taking the Silent King because he's a great model and he's great. He's no, he great looks unit. phenomenal. He's, he yeah, looks phenomenal. Your your army kind of sucks without him. Like honestly, uh, seen it I done. Know. But yeah, every list at that GT had a Silent King. Nope. Nope. One the uh, the guy that I played in round one didn't have him. Yeah, but how did that go was for that the, him? Was he that the table. Chrome? Mm-hmm. Was that the Chrome Crons? No, not Chrome Crons. This guy's model. This guy's stuff actually looked good. Um, the they, Chrome Crons. They, I mean, they did it like kind of, you know, the quote unquote easy way. That the Rune Lord brass, they like shaded it, dry oh, brushed it a little bit. Oh, that guy from yeah. um, Jacksonville. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he I, drove I can't up. remember his name. Uh, Chris Deadman. Yeah. Um, you know, about, good dude. Good dude. I was about dude. to just um, make up a name for him if y'all can um, remember. No, he had great looking that Yeah, yeah. His stuff looked good. Um, I played his buddy. I think his buddy, well, I think we're trying to get him into the tournament that we uh, talked about last time. Um, uh, they're moving though, so I don't know. But anyhow, yeah, no, his stuff looked good. He had the Void Dragon. He did, which was difficult to deal with. But I also had three Lord of Skulls, so I dealt with it. Um, it got dealt with in one way or another. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I tabled him. So, and um, yeah, I mean, and then I I played two more Necron lists after that. Um, I didn't play any Marines. 
And I, I mean, unless you count custodians as Marines, and they're not. No, they're nope. fucking bananas. Well, that's a nice. Table that's a welcome too. break too. The, what the, the that Marines are on the downswing right now. Well, yeah. so this is all taking place since we last recorded, but. First Albany GT, I didn't play any Marines. Per Aspera, I played seven Marine lists. And then at my next GT, I played no Marine lists. Well, so per Aspera next... was a good practice tournament. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't count. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. So. I have some very specific fuck yous to a couple of organizations out there. But, yeah. Well... Yeah. well on that note, everybody. Yeah, that's a nice positive note. <laughs> Get out. That'll be cut down for about sure. how other content creators can suck my ass. Um, yeah, <laughs> you can cut that if you want. <laughs> probably gonna cut that too. All right, guys, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week. All right, thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.